Hello, and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series produced by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. The first series of Jam Presents takes us back to July 2001, when Fox ran a one-off TV series called Murder in Small Town X, an American reality TV show that we believe went somewhat unnoticed. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of Murder in Small Town X as Jason and I follow the journeys of 10 contestants as they attempt to solve the brutal murder of the Flint family and catch the killer. Oh, and at the same time, try to win 250 grand. In the quiet town of Sunrise, Maine, a killer is on the loose. A reward has been offered to 10 ordinary people. been sent to Sunrise to play the killer's twisted game. Welcome to Sunrise. Now, they must enter the mind of a killer and solve the mystery before they are eliminated one by one. Each episode is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode two now. In this episode, we go to a funeral, we look more at those raunchy photos of Connor, and we have a sneak around Thibodeau's house. How's everybody doing this morning? It was kind of a rough night for us late last night. It's kind of a little stressful when you lose one of your own. Last night, for the first time, we played the killer's game. We lost a member of the group, Shirley King. So I've got episode two kicks off in the morning, or the morning after Shirley was eliminated and Kristen returned to headquarters. Shirley's last will and testament allows her to choose the next lifeguard, which we didn't know last week. No, but you knew. If, I, if I'd stopped it before she said anything, 100% I would have picked this person. Let's find out who the next lifeguard is going to be from Shirley's last will and testament. I'm naming Kristen as lifeguard, signing off. She was always going to pick Kristen. Mm-hmm. We could go off on a complete segue to, to Kristen because she's a bitch in this episode. Oh, she is just a horrible person. Yep. Now, don't get me wrong. She's got personality and she's one of the only ones that stands out. And so she's making a name for herself. And we'll probably talk more about her than anyone else out of all the investigators. But she really, really pisses me off. I picked uh, Kristen to go out on um, the first mission to play the killer's game. If I make it back here, your ass is grass. Even though it might have come back to bite me in the ass, I, I don't care. She was the right person to go. Andy starts shitting himself as oh, soon as he realizes that. As soon as he realizes Kristen is. Um, he knows. He just knows. He, yeah. The but fact that she does. said, your ass is grass. But they, they go back to a comment, which we didn't really go into. We talked about your ass is grass last week, but Kristen's justification for Andy sending her last week. He has a personal vendetta. There was no reason except out of a personal vendetta that he would get rid of me. I don't think I've ever had a personal vendetta against anyone that I've known for three days. As in, it's a game show and he had to pick someone and he, he just he, picked the gobby one. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he looked at everybody. He's quite shy anyway. He probably, only, he probably only knew about one or two people's names, and she was one of them. We are gathered here today not merely 
Today, Carmen Flint. The setup for today and the, the way in which they go and investigate, there are different tracks, and I'll talk about the tracks in a minute as to sort of set them up, but we see that the funeral is about to take place and people are arriving in their funeral attire. You guys are going to turn up to that mm. and that's sort of setting up the episode. But then lead investigator Gary says, Carmen was shot at very close range and no exit route wound was found. Um, and no slug was recovered. Oh, I've wrote this down as well. If this is the same. But there was a 357 casing at the scene. Kristen pipes up and says, So what we need to look at is what else can you put into the shell besides a bullet? Exactly no. what I've put here. <laughs> what are you thinking of? Cotton wool? <laughs> like, well, what? this is my... I hope this isn't. And this is... this is. I hope that's just a stupid comment and we can reflect on that and say, Kristen was an idiot. What a stupid comment. Rather than it being, no, she was onto something. It was an ice bullet and it melted. Oh, you know, like the no. age-old yeah. brain teaser. I'm not having that. I'm not having if that. If it's that, I'm not watching anymore. <laughs> but then in fairness, Lindsay makes the good point. She says, couldn't have been a very powerful weapon if the bullet didn't go right through. Exactly. Now, presumably yeah. they've done some forensic work, so they know that this is definitely a bullet wound. But then Gary does suggest, well, the bottom line is, the weapon is still a mystery. No, she, th th I don't get that, though, because they showed photos saying that she's been put up in the back of the head at point blank. Yes, but then the weapon, if the wh what is the weapon? If the weapon isn't, if she's been shot point blank in the back of the head, well, then... It's not, it's not a sword, is it? It's a gun. So we're saying she's been point blank, point blank range, but if the bullet's not gone through and there's no slug in her head, then did they take the bullet out and was it a really low sort of... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're thinking too fine to it, I don't know. We might be too, yeah. It might just be an ice bullet. <laughs> if it ends with ice bullets, I'm just turning off. Yeah, just absolute waste. This is never going to air. Let's move on to our killer clue last night, obviously. Kristen had a very traumatic experience in going out and obtaining that. Uh, Moe dropped me off at the rocks. A flare here, a flare here, and then a very old wooden boat reading Bonnie Rose with a big cross or X of flowers coming up out of it. So... They move on to the clue that was recovered by Kristen the night before. So Shirley obviously went and died or got killed. Um, Kristen came back from a boat wreckage yeah. called the Bonnie Rose. It was confirmed that the Bonnie Rose crashed in 1978. The owner was confirmed as Oscar Blodgett. And they all jump on that fact because Lyda Rose Blodgett evidently shares a surname. So that leads to track one. Investigate the Bonnie Rose accident. Identify Oscar Blodgett. And Kristen wants to send Angel and Andy on this track. Track two, Prudence Connor. Evidently, we've still got the photographs. We don't know what the relationship was between Nate other than a sordid one from the photographs that we've got. So track two is, go and see Prudence Connor. What's her relationship with Nate? I should point out the whole point of this is because all of these people will be at the funeral. So what a great way to see everybody. Not only do you get to see their behaviours and actions during the funeral, but you get to interrogate and investigate there as well. So this was great. What is Prudence's relationship with, or Connor's relationship with Nate? Should we tell her yet about photos? And the group vote and say, no, we should wait. We should hold that clue back and see if she comes clean. See, I, I think Gary said that as a storytelling thing. If they said, oh yeah, I think so. I think Gary was there to be like, back them down if they said yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He just wanted to confirm that it was a, it was a no. Does that make sense? Because there must be, there must be some like structural storytelling behind the scenes. Yeah, because, oh, there must be script writers and I've got that written down that there must be script like, do not mention the photos at the hand. funeral. That's the, you know, I mean, that's whatever, you know. So yeah. he's there sort of saying, oh, are we going to mention it? No, we're not. Okay, that's good. Because he, he says something like, oh, I don't think we should either, or something like he says, doesn't he? Yeah, I, I think just, you're right. I just think, I just think we, we, we might start noticing a few more of those when he's just confirming what they should do. Being that you and I both 
had first-hand experience with her, I think that it would be really important to send some good-looking men to talk to her. We need to send some good-looking men to talk to her. Which is such a 2000s, like, you couldn't say, like, I don't know. It's what, yeah, it's one of those, oh, good-looking man, you know, why couldn't I do it as a woman type thing? Yeah, but yeah. I think a big part of it is send some good-looking men to talk to her. And Kristen says... Okay. It's going to be Alan. It's going to be Jeff. Jeff. And Lindsay. Well, Al right, Alan, you know, you, know my thoughts, you know my thoughts about Alan, and we'll get on to him in a minute. So we need to talk to Alan in a lot more Al detail shortly, Al because Alan's he steals the show again. 100%. Um, Jeff, he's a model, so it just makes sense, yeah. and everyone knows he's a model. So, yeah, and then Lindsay gets bowled in for those. <laughs> yeah, two good-looking blokes and Lindsay. Thanks. Brilliant. And what else do we need to find out? Thibodeau uh, said the night in question he was with Connor in a VFW type of meeting. Another part of track two is to compare Connor's alibi with Thibodeau. Obviously, we've already established that Thibodeau is a very good suspect. We've seen he has a violent temper, and he owed Nate Flint money. He'll also be at the funeral. Track three, I'd like to send the three investigators out to his residence and covertly get into his residence and see what we can see inside. The visit to Thibodeau's residence, covertly get into That's Thibodeau's house, and Stacey, Ryan, and Katie go there. First off, that house is a lovely house. It's huge. But the, the, you see the placement of it as well, as well, in the middle of nowhere. So Stacey, Ryan, and Katie go to Thibodeau's house to search without disturbing anything, look for a murder weapon and for bodies. And that's great that Gary, the lead investigator, has to remind them. What are we, what are we missing? Oh, bodies. Yes. We still don't know where they are. Fair play to Jeff. Jeff pipes up in the, um, in the HQ meeting and says, when the funeral ends, we'll need to get in touch with mm -hmm. you guys because Thibodeau will be coming home. I thought that'd be a bigger thing. I thought that was going to be a bigger thing. But maybe that was disturbed by Alan, because Alan did an absolutely... Alan. Alan's fantastic. ...cracking job He's there. absolutely fantastic in this episode. Stand out. Absolutely yep. stand out. So before they all get up and leave the HQ, you get a reminder from Gary. If you are alone, you are at risk from the killer. And it's really pissing me off now, because they said that in the last episode, they said that in this episode, and on three occasions now, we have seen people mm. go off alone and no one's been killed. That has to happen. They can't just keep saying that and not killing someone off. I think I've wrote it like, it's, it's a false sense of security now. They know it's happened a few times. Do you know what I mean? And it, then nothing's happened. It's going to happen. It's going to have to happen. What, I mean, I would get to it, but what sort of annoyed me about this situation was, uh, well, going back to episode one, it was a choice. It was like, well, you can come here and this is the reward if you do, but you don't have to. Where this seemed very railroaded, being like... Dudley wasn't backing down. Yeah, they, yeah, he wasn't backing down. And they sort of got forced into it a little bit. Mm. Going forward, I'd rather it be like, right, you, you'll get a benefit if you risk it. So at this point, I've put the three tracks are inter uh, intertwined. Prudence, Thibodeau and Co and Lighter, in fact, are all at the funeral. Whilst Thibodeau's there, obviously the other group of investigators are at his house looking for weapons and bodies. Over the next 20 minutes of the episode... It's like, right, we're at Tib's house, now we're at the funeral, mm. now we're at the graveside, now we're at the... Yeah. It, it, it's mad. What I've tried to do is sort of capture this in Thibodeau's house, the funeral itself, there's a few bits to talk about. Thibodeau leaves the funeral early on and there's a little mm. bit around that. Then we've got the funeral where Lambert's giving a speech and Debet comes in, loads of stuff happens then, and then they go to the graveside. And then later on, we'll talk more about what they actually found from those tracks. Let's do this quick. House is right over here. Jeez, talk about desolate. 
Thibodeau's house, despite being in a prime location, despite being massive, is absolute squalor. It yeah, is disgusting. shit state. It's, it's pretty much falling apart. It's weird that Thibodeau's house, it shows that he's a bit of a kid with all the toys. He's like young at heart or is that his childhood home and he never grew up and his mum and dad had I don't know. A bit strange. Or is it just random stuff? Production crews thought, let's just make him a little bit serial killer. A little yeah, bit freaky. true, true. Because it does make you consider whether or not he's... Well, he's there's a few things they find weird. in the house that questions that as well. Although yes. I'm more than certain it isn't uh, Thibodeau. Purely because he's the first line of inquiry. Already, both episodes, all fingers are pointing to him because of how dodgy he is and the things that they find. But obviously, yeah, initially, you see that there's a bath of blood and blood dripping at the back of the freezer. When they go upstairs, they find a shrine. I called it a wank shrine to Prudence Connor. <laughs> Wait, I just thought it was a bit strange how they make a note of the fact that it's pictures of her at different ages as well. Yeah, yeah, it's bloody it's creepy. Very strange. But then I thought, I wonder if Prudence Connor is like his daughter. Mm. Never know. Don't know. Could be. But then would you go to that? I don't, I can't imagine having a kid and going to that extreme lengths. A woman, yeah, if I fancied her. Shrine, candles, hooks through her lover's <laughs> eyes. Don't forget the hook. So yeah, they find that photo as well of, of Nate. It would seem then that Thibodeau knows about Prudence and, mm-hmm. and Nate. Does make me question though, does that mean he took the photos? Because she has no idea who took those sordid photos. Oh, I didn't think of that. True. Yeah, because he's obsessed with her. He's, you know, he's obsessed with her, so it makes sense, doesn't it? Guys, there's a camera right there. Yes, there is. Is, is that a open? video camera? Take the tape. Come on, I think someone is coming. Oh, why? He's probably watching. Leave it. Is he going to know someone's here, though? Yeah? Make the call. Leave it in. Leave it there. Let's go. Let's go. When they find the video camera in his house and they're fumbling like crazy oh my god it's like they're proper panic and they decide not to I, I really the... hope that comes back to bite them in the ass worst decision ever yeah worst de- I, I put that down I said why didn't they take the tape they had it down they pretty much had the tape out and they didn't take it and the thing is by leaving it now it shows that they were up to something dodgy if they'd have taken it he could never have po- proved who it was that took it yeah. Now he literally knows who's been in his house. I hope I hope there is some sort of branching storyline where like that does come back. I would I would I, love that. Like I've I've got a tape of you lot in my house without a warrant. We are gathered here today, not merely to bury Carmen Flint. Funeral then, uh, and this is just so we've got the little bit around Thibodeau leaving the funeral. But initially at the funeral, what we see is Reverend Rusty Crandall, and I've mentioned it before. I have got a bit of a case of a Rusty Crandall. <laughs> He thinks he's Bono. It's brilliant. He does. He does. <laughs> now, it might be bright. The place is called Sunrise, so I'm expecting it to be pretty sunny. And his speech, how weirdly he's swooning over Abby. Oh. Like, his comments about Abby. And Abby was... Abby was young and... vibrant... and, and pious. That whole set piece of the fake funeral, I say fake funeral, the real funeral, but for them to even construct this fake funeral, it, just, it absolutely stinks of Twin Peaks. Every person there, from, from, from the Reverend, the later we get, uh, what's his name? De Beck. De Beck, and he comes in with his two uh, bodyguards with their brushes. And then William Lambert comes to speak, Nate's business partner. Is he business partner or ex-business partner? Yeah, ex but he comes to speak about how he misses Nate and his family and that he set up the Flint Foundation. Now, before we get onto the Debeck stuff, Thibodeau well, leaves. he gets angry. He gets angry and leaves, doesn't he? And gets annoyed. So 
this is where Alan just steps up to the mark, doesn't he, then? So it walks after him. Yeah, he walks after him and just wants to talk to him. I think some of that is because he knows that the others are at his house and he can't really let him leave that easily. But he goes, oh, I thought we had a partnership. He's being really friendly. I honestly think that Alan's completely forgot he's in a TV show. He was such a smooth talker. He said, he's, well, he said that in episode one, he can talk to anybody. He asked the most, he asked a question that he obviously knew the answer to, just to keep Turbo there. I told you my alibi in the stairwell. But you told me that you had been in Bangor, Maine on Saturday at a VFW meeting right. with a Connor. I don't think we discussed the first name. Her name is Prudence Connor. But nobody calls her Prudence. Okay, that's all I wanted. I just, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm no, sorry for no, everything man. that's happened. Listen, man, I, I'm just sorry. This is, this is, this is just hard for me, okay? Thibodeau's got like a half a bottle of Jack Daniels and he's walking off. But Alan's still sort of walking after him, saying we can talk. He's really pushing the fact. I'm, I'm, I'm still backing Alan. Like, I've made my, you know, choice early and it's paying off. This episode has cemented it for me now that, without a doubt, Obviously, it could change in episode three, foot, whatever. But for now, Alan is, is out and out the best person on that yeah. team without Adam. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm going to go spend some time with my husband, Oscar. His grave is here. Can we escort Can we you? Ask you? No, oh, no, we'll go with you. After the funeral, Angel and Andy console Lighter. Connor gets questioned by Jeff. Angel and Andy find that Oscar's grave has been disturbed. Oscar turns out to be Lighter's husband and Andy calls the police chief, he calls Dudley, to say there's a disturbance at Oscar's grave. But Dudley, when he gets that call, Dudley seems to be in the graveyard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 200 yards away. What I have got is this great because Andy tries to get Lighter to talk and she just goes, I don't want to talk about it right now. If you have a suspicion, you know, I can help you out. I don't want to talk about it now. Dudley takes her away and says that Andy and Angel need to dig the grave. They need to find evidence because, and have a look at the grave. Yeah, because the grave's been disturbed. Disturbed. Now, this is fantastic. So, firstly, Angel, a ripped firefighter, is very much like, oh, Andy's, Andy's weak. Andy's not pulling his weight. And I'm thinking, yeah, he's, he's like a media student. Bit different, isn't it? Hello? You are digging up the grave right now. What? Wait, no, 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 repeat that. What do you mean you're digging it up? Yes, we are. To see if there's a casket or anything in there. And it looks like that someone dug into the grave and then put the dirt back, and now they're digging the dirt back up to make sure the casket's still there or to see if it's missing. Yeah, sitting there in a suit digging up a body. Love it. The group get the phone call when Andy rings up and they just start pissing themselves. So all of them in HQ are very much like, oh, you're in your funeral attire and you're going to dig up a skeleton with worms in it. Yeah. And that's a great line because they're going, oh, no, no, they won't open the casket. And in the very next scene, they are ripping the lid off <laughs> that casket. <laughs> Oh, it's inside. It's perfect, wasn't it? So there's no body. There's no body in that casket. I don't know if they were ever meant to be opening it because unless that comes back... In, look, in episode three, it might be that they say, we need to find out what happened to the body. But this is where I wonder whether or not they need scriptwriters on hand because imagine they weren't meant to open it and they were just meant to say, oh, yeah, the, the casket's still there. It's fine. Because at no point did anyone say, you need to also open the casket. And it seems like they've just ripped the lid off. But but is that when the policeman comes in and says, oh, perhaps we need to open the casket and you just get really good improv actors that know the way it should go? Maybe. It started to get quite wet and Angel goes, we'll soon see if our watches are waterproof. (laughs) And and you literally watch him dig with the other hand that his watch is on then. (laughs) 
all this craziness with Mr. Blige's grave, yeah. I'm a little concerned about Mrs. Flint's grave, all right? Now, I'm short-handed, so I'm going to need one of you guys to come with me. No, we're not breaking up. I need you guys to break up. We can't break up. Late at night, Andy and Angel are still there. Dudley returns, and this is where, this is where we were talking earlier about how Dudley comes along, and he forces it on him. He's like, I need one of you to come with me to Carmen's grave. It's at risk. He hasn't got enough resources because it's popping off all over town. <laughs> it's the quietest <laughs> place you've ever seen. Things are popping off all over town. It's crazy right. today. Andy's not having it though, is he? He's like, no. Fair play. No, and fair play to him. I did feel sorry for him at this moment because Angel's there going, yeah, 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 I'll do it. But Angel at this point didn't know that he was going to be left alone. Angel must have been thinking... Oh, well, I'll do it because I'm going with the one person that's been signed off as not being a suspect anymore. <laughs> of course yes, he's that's... going. Yeah, I'll yeah. go, mate. Andy, you stay here, mate. <laughs> Didn't think of that. When Angel's in the car talking, he's he's just reinforcing the fact that Andy's absolutely shitting himself. Yeah, he's terrified. Like, he's absolutely terrified. So much so that you, the next scene you see him ringing up HQ, don't you? Just to stay on the phone. That's all he wants to do. He just wants to stay on the phone. And Kristen's putting the phone down on him, saying, I'm not staying on the phone to him for five hours. I've got better things to do. No, it's not even about me. You know what? I might be okay. I might not. Angel might be okay, but Angel might not be. It's better to have us both be okay than neither. Hello? <laughs> I can't hear what I'm saying, but all I'm saying is it's like I, I have better things to do than just remain on the cell phone for five hours. I've got what a bitch. What else are you going to be doing? She also says that that will get him used to the task he's got coming up. Oh, that is the moment that you start to see how she is just mentioning it more and more. And that's her undoing. And this, this is brilliant. Oh, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. <laughs> because she, yeah, she claims this to prepare Andy for the task he'll be doing in a few days, i.e. when she votes for him to play the killer's game. Kristen says, if you choose him before me, I will be in a bad situation. Mate, if I was one of the others, I'd be like, you know what I'm doing in two days' yeah. time? You absolutely know it's what's going to happen. It's an easy pick because you don't come off as bad because ultimately she was going to pick him. And if he ever said, oh, why'd you pick me? Mate, you were going anyway. And you'd rather be picked by the group than be picked by some really vindictive bitch. I do like Jeff's approach as well, where she's like, oh, you're going to pick Andy. And Jeff goes, yeah, we will. <laughs> to say, you're an idiot. But I know that you clowns are going to choose them before I do. And if you do, I'm really going to be in a bad situation. Well, now we will, just to make it real difficult for you. There's a bit of a heated discussion between Kristen and Andy, where Kristen's like, don't interrupt me, don't interrupt me. And Andy's just pissing himself, laughing at her. And um, Look, one thing I would I put, hold on, I'm talking. Yes. Do not interrupt me, I hate that. Quote of the episode, I don't care if I'm from another country or the North Pole, don't interrupt me. I don't care if I'm from another freaking country or the North Pole, do not interrupt me. <laughs> We've sort of missed the. I haven't really wrote much down about it. We've missed. We missed the fact that Jeff went to Prudence's boat. The next day, Gary says they need to follow up on all three tracks. That's okay. it. Yeah. Yeah. They they then go back down all three lines again. So they go. Lighter is in the doctor's office. We know more about the husband's death. We know more about the so-called propane explosion that killed Oscar. And the Angel and Andy go to the doctors to meet Lighter, and then that's when she reveals a few things about Debeck. What did we yeah. learn about Debeck? She thought he might have caused the boat. Yeah. He was in the photo, wasn't he? So Lighter is convinced Hayden Debeck yeah. is behind her husband's grave robbery, and also that she thinks he's responsible for his death back in 1978. Yeah. And it all goes back to when Lighter was Debeck's 
girlfriend or he was her first boyfriend or something like that and then Oscar came along and stole her away and at the time Oscar and Debeck and CR Flint were business partners yeah Connor she said she didn't know Nate well but based on the pictures she lied Connor and Jeff have that little tiff where they talk about oh you you want to play a game tell me about these photos then and then that's where she's like where did you get these she really has no idea where those photos come from before they go off together the best best bit of the episode for me and the bit that again it there's a bit at the very end which leads to it as well mary elizabeth is talking some really really creepy shit at the yeah, wake about abby she's my best friend and just my sister people in the town actually started to call us twins but when she died a part of me kind of died with her Mary Elizabeth's strange girl, strange. It's, I don't think that Mary Elizabeth is our killer, but I could be surprised. But I know that there's a part of Abby that will always live on forever inside of me. But even Alan, I think it's Alan mentions, he goes, it could be her. Yeah, and the fact that she says, when she died, a part of me died with her. I know there will always be a part of Abby that will always live on forever inside of me. Now... That come, does that come back then? Uh, right. So at the very, very end, she is then putting on Abby's cheerleading yes. uniform. Yeah. Right. I am almost certain that Mary Elizabeth is Abby and she is very much alive and that the person that's died is Mary Elizabeth. Now, that would be a kicker of a twist. And Abby had killed her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That would be even bigger. Even still, regardless... The fact that she uses those words around Abby will live on inside of me and stuff like that and she's wearing Abby's clothes, there is something very sinister what, about What that. makes that so special is we as the audience see that. No one else does. That, that is special, but also, is that going to be shown eventually? Because if the contestants don't see that... No, exactly. So, but that's exactly so. Why do the audience need to see it? Maybe it is to reinforce some things with the audience. I think there's something to it. I do think there's something to it. Gone. They've now got the warrant for Thibodeau's residence. Yeah. Because they talk about the state of it. They talk about how, you know, run down it is. Oh, and this is fantastic. The blood at the scene found was human blood and type O. Carmen had type O blood. And it's like, you, you've got Carmen's body. You've got her DNA. Don't yeah. just run a blood test and see if it's type O blood. Because 30% of the population or whatever. I think it might only be 10%. But that's a t it's a TV show. It's a TV show. A I get it, I get it, and they had to. So they get the warrant, Stacey, Brian and Katie are going back with Dudley to search the house. Incredible scenes next. So they go back to the freezer, and it's been emptied, and there's a trail of blood conveniently left behind. And then the next scene is sniffer dogs and all sorts. Yeah. People just running through the, through the woods to go and find him. I, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry he's been victimised massively. I do, and you and you can see why... Oh, look, if you find blood like that, human blood in someone's freezer in their house, you're going to think it's shady, so fair play that to go and sort of back it all up but this is where brian comes into his own because he's the medical sort of student he knows a bit about gulf war syndrome he knows you know yeah this guy needs help he, he needs a doctor he legitimately needs these blood transfusions because he's got something wrong with him 
or he's draining off his own blood and he's just so he needs to see a doctor. But again, is Thibodeau still a suspect? Yeah, you can't write him off just for having these sort of mental issues and, and you know, having no, blood in think, his house. No, I think it's, it's too forced for him, it to be him. Last night, as the killer promised, another pair of red and black envelopes were found in town. So let's open the red envelope, which contains the killer's question. This question is based on your investigation of clues the killer's given you so far. Remember, if you answer correctly, one of the suspects will be cleared. The question was, what was the date of birth of Oscar Blodgett? Which Andrew gets very excited about. Look at that, we, we took a photo of that baby. Yes, we photo. do. Yeah, we do, that was cool. Okay, let's go you to the screen. 1924. So they get that right, and they get that sent to the email address that looks like the Matrix. Then the suspect comes back to cross off, mm. and it's our friend X-Ray, which I'm very, very pleased about. But also, I feel like, looking back on it, episode one, getting rid of the, the, the policeman, who's going to be like, in, like a helping hand around isn't he? Yeah. They're always yeah. going to be in sort of contact with him because he's, he is obviously the policeman. And then X-Ray, he's always going to take him to these crime scenes. Yeah. It, it's easy pickings, isn't it, to take them two out of the equation. What did you notice then about the uh, the pen? Do you know, I didn't notice it. Is it oh, a thicker? man. So, Dudley's, Dudley's face has got an inch thick line through it now. Much thicker pen that they've used. And the pen that they used to cross out... Um, X-ray's face way better. It's not perfect. Like you still have to do it a few times, but it's not worth. They've, they've learnt. He's definitely learnt his lesson there, Gary. Well done, Gary. Well done. So with X-ray, the cabbie being written off, thirteen suspects remain, and then they open the black envelope containing two locations. Group vote surprisingly goes to Andrew. Andy. Yeah. Kristen now has to make a decision, and again blames the group for it being hard. could kill you guys really could you guys made this very hard for me because everyone knew who i was going to choose is she the killer <laughs> but she's the one that created that for herself she did then she says the only decision i can make is based on people who i know that they know what they're looking for the fact that she's suggesting as if being a good person a good investigator makes any difference to when you go on this but brian as far as right I'm on concerned, that yeah, and that's what I've got, actually. Brian does call her out and say this is a cop-out because he knows how the game works. You are literally being sent to two different places. One of you is going to return. The other is going to be killed. And that's it. And that is predetermined. Now, Andrew's going to the old mustard mill. In his last will and testament, knows that he's in a bad position and is glad that the group chose him to get back at Kristen. Understand that. Angel's prepping Andy to get over his fear. And Andy's going, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And then in the next scene, Andy's going, mentally tough, mentally tough. Only the strong survive. I'm not a fan of Andrew, but poor kid. Like, he's, he's out of his comfort zone massively because he's not a very sociable person anyway. Nah. And he's in a, in a situation he just doesn't want to be in. Andy looks petrified in all his video footage. He sees the flowers, but it yeah. isn't a clue. It's, no. That's the death trap. That's him going to his that's, death. That's him going to where they want him to be yeah. so they can jump out on him. I honestly do yeah. think they jump out on him as well. Um, so Andrew went to the old mustard mill. Brian is going to the house at 45 Kendall Road. X-ray takes Brian to the dead end that just reads dead on the sign. Yeah. That's great. That and was I was convinced good. at this point. I was like, that's it. He's done for. The fact that Brian's going, it's just the woods. It's just the woods. And he's narrating. Now I'm in the, the kitchen. Now I see a door. And he's just talking to himself, reassuring himself. It must be terrifying. You, it's really dark. You're, you're sort of uplit from your camera, aren't you? Because there's, mm. there's like light in your face, like under your chin. And I don't think you could probably see like four or five feet in front of you at any given yeah, time. Yeah, there's not, not a lot of... 
and the machinery starts around them and stuff. It is mm-hmm. pretty chilling. Few flashes of light and we see someone is killed. But also we see Brian reading out a clue. So evidently, it's not Brian. It's funny because they do the reveal, but we've already seen Brian reading up Kingfisher. So he's already found the clue. Cut back to HQ where Kristen is still running her mouth. Brian returns to HQ and that's when we realise that Andy's the killer's next victim. So Brian's return, he's carrying a tin of sardines, which is the next clue. Mm. The tin is from a Kingfisher cannery. And it's shut. It's sealed. It's a sealed tin, yeah. Opens it up. Uh, There's two fingers, one of which has a ring on. We don't have bodies yet, so it'll be really interesting to see whether or not we get a body without fingers on when uh, when they recover Nate and Abby. As the end credits play, we see the best part of the whole episode, in my opinion. Mary Elizabeth putting on Abby's clothes. Creepy as shit. Yeah. So here's here's two questions. I think I know the answer to one of them. I'm still backing Alan. I think he's I think he's brilliant. Yep. I think he's so fully immersed in this concept of he's trying to investigate this murder that he's stopping at nothing. If he stays in it for a couple more episodes, there'll be one or two situations where you'll see the actors get a bit uncomfortable. He's pushing it too much, getting yeah. too far like, into it. I did think that sort of earlier when when he he's pushing Tibbo. Tibbo's like, I just want to be alone. Just to try and say, fuck off, fuck off, stop asking. Like, I've done, my script's done. Um, so this is the one, this is the question I'm going to pose to you. Who is the next lifeguard? I'm, I'm going to write something down now, because it's Andrew's choice. So Andy gets to choose the next lifeguard in his, his last will and testament. So who do you think it's going to be? I think it will be Angel. That's exactly what I've put here, Angel. Yes. Because... Of that bond they had that night in the grave. And he, I bet he thinks oh, Angel's a strong character, he's strong personality. And I think it's an easy, you know what I mean? It's an, they've got that bond, haven't they? Otherwise, he's just picking out of a hat still. So you're going to note this down. He's an Angel lifeguard. We're saying Alan Wynn. Who's a murderer? Alan to win. Who do you know? Who do you think is going to go next out of the Ooh, group? Go so. next. Up for, up for a risk, I'd say, is Lindsay, Stacey, and Katie. Unless one yeah. of them has a good episode. It's just the amount Kristen is caused in trouble wise she might get voted next just because the group are like you're a knob I would like to see that yeah so which one Which one? I'm going to go for go on, I want a name I'm going to go for Stacy. I'm going Kristen okay you're, you're going for it then are you and murderer we I reckon it's not Thibodeau not Prudence Connor nah Efton's pointing to Mary Elizabeth in my head in this episode hell yeah especially from what Alan said and that creepy and thing is they want you to see that that's the thing they want you to see that she's creepy as fuck mm. she's got motive like you say that could be abby it's weird why has she got abby there are some twists like that well i'm gonna go for mary elizabeth just on this episode that's just that's just based on two episodes we barely yeah, seen and, and and to be honest with with what we've seen of her i would i absolutely want it to be that mary elizabeth is actually abby is actually abby and she killed her family and wanted to start a new life i think that's where we'll end it Good. I'm, I'm buzzing to watch the next one. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. Come and tell us what you think and let us know your predictions on Twitter. We're at Presents Jam. Join us next time where we plant a bug on Abby's boyfriend, we go on an overnight stakeout and we speak to a taxidermist about a can of fingers. Fingers.